Rockerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Welcome to the Legend of Zelda, where the only sound you'll hear is your own heart pounding as you race through forests, lakes, mountains, and dangerous mazes in an attempt to restore peace to the land of Hyrule. <laughs> First sentence on the back of the book. It's classic. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Along the way, you'll be challenged by tectites, whiz robes, and an endless array of ruthless creatures who will stop at nothing to prevent you from finding the lost fragments of the Triforce of Wisdom. But don't despair, Kyle. With a little luck and a lot of courage, you'll conquer your adversaries. Unite the Triforce Fragments and unravel the mystery of The Legend of Zelda. Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's a freaking classic back in the box, though. What's hilarious is, like, underneath that, the next paragraph is funny. It's like, The Legend of Zelda is the most challenging video game we've ever created. Wow. To help you keep up with the action, Zelda comes packed with Maps of Hyrule, and extended plane power, which is basically their save. So they put that little tips and strategies in the box because they this was the hardest game they created. Yep. Came with the map. Map was awesome. I should have framed that. Oh, hell yeah. Before I destroyed it when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I used to look at that like all the time. I used to read the manual. That was the that game probably I read the manual and look at the map the most out of any of my games because it, it was a full immersive world. Well, I think those manuals were the always the classic one, like as a kid, that you would see that are like duct taped up. So they were read so much yep. that you actually would put duct tape on the spine to keep the pages together. <laughs> That's classic. When each enemy had its own drawing. Mm-hmm. Its own drawing in the uh, drawing. Its own drawing in the uh, manual <laughs> and its its own explanation and it's just so much care was like taken, you know. <laughs> it, it was it was literally like they took like a story writer, had them write a giant, immensive, immersive story of the Legend of Zelda, and they go, "All right, we can't use any of this shit. Let's put it right into this game, and then put like pictures in the manual." <laughs> but it's like there's so much there at a minimalistic yeah. style. Like goddamn. It's like exactly what we've been talking about for months as we chat, because we only record every once in a while. And it's like, dude, it's completely minimalistic style. It's exactly how we do everything from like our podcasting, only doing audio, to me writing the books with only small tidbits. To It's like the Zelda, Legend of Zelda is like it gives you a little bit and lets your imagination run wild. Which is the key, yeah. Because they leave just enough to where... Um... 
you can take it, you know, and run with it. Hell yeah. That's the thing. I think that's why, you know, it's it's tough for a lot of people with, because there's people that consider, like, best Zelda games, and, you know, a lot of people go straight to Orcarina. Um, but, like, for us, it's always a toss-up between the original Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past. Oh, yeah. To me, there's no other... Link's Awakening's close. It, it is. It's very close. There's no other contender, though, you know? Mm-mm. Not within that range. Not even not even close. I mean, I have... Not within the blast radius. I, I think, like, my only reason why I can justify Link to the Past just being my top game is simply because of my... In, on previous podcasts, I've talked about it. My um, getting scorned by The Legend of Zelda as a child. <laughs> getting burned. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think that is the only thing that I can justify to just make it easy for me to put Zelda 3 over. But, I mean, I would say it's almost like Zelda 3 is a little more limiting, but the story is epic. Which what we were talking about today. It's almost like they're even... But they have different strengths, and and I think it's something like it's not it's not they're still developing it. So at the time of this cast, um, but like the new Zelda that's coming out for the Nintendo Switch, Wii U, whatever the fuck they release it on, um, the Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. I think they're going back to the original Legend of Zelda one. And allowing you to do whatever the fuck you want, explore wherever you want, no limitations, go wherever you want, type thing. Uh-huh. And they're gonna, it's gonna be more like sandboxy, like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And what was really cool is some of the pictures they were showing were from the original Legend of Zelda artwork, like where Link's like looking through the land of Hyrule, and there's mountains in the background and shit. Oh, I love that shot, yeah. And in Breath of the Wild, in the game, you see that. They showed that in Breath of the Wild, like the very first trailer yeah. that they showed. Yeah, it was right. like I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, this is... every, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like... it's 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 Miyamoto's dream. But I, yeah. I think that, like you know, from Zelda three on, we had this narrative story and limitation due to the system limitations. It's why you were locked into going and like. The one item per dungeon and having to get certain things in a row. And I think it was all due to the story that worked perfectly for that. But the original Legend of Zelda had like none of that. It was just do whatever the F you want. You went to certain stuff because it was numbered. That was about the only reason. And it opened up a certain like element to where it was like a scrappy element. To where, which is very NES, to where if you could get to a certain spot, if you were good enough, or if you tried enough times and you could get to a certain spot, you could get that item without having to, like, go through the whole structure of the game, which... It's freaking amazing. Yeah, which which enables you to get even the blue ring before you go to the first level in Zelda. And I think that's something that listeners really will enjoy, is the way that you approach... Legend of Zelda, because like my way that I go is I simply I enjoy the experience of jumping into the world, going up that classic path to get to the first dungeon, fighting through, fighting the first boss and all that. But like that's not how you play it, Kyle. And your way is like way cooler than I've ever done. And I've tried to go your way a few times and it just 
I always forget a few of the different pieces and it's never as crazy as the way that you play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've done the um, the other version, of course, you know, the, which is great because the game is still set up to where you can play it in that linear fashion. Yeah, and I think the way you should set it up, though, is that what you're currently doing, which is like a million fucking Zelda save beats or whatever. Yeah, we gotta talk about that. Yeah. Filling up Zelda carts. Started with that, <laughs> man. Okay, so Nintendo Age. There was this guy and he liked to collect Jurassic Park uh, Super Nintendo carts. Yep. And I think he had, even had a picture where he was in a bathtub like full of them. Yeah, it was classic uh, Kevbot. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of like saw that and just laughed to myself. You know, that's that's, that's classic. You know, wow. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if someone got a save game cart, like Super Nintendo or Nintendo, and filled that game up with a hundred percent? Like, um, you could do it with obviously the Zelda one and three um, and two, but you could also do it with like Donkey Kong Country. You could like fill up the whole cart with like a hundred one percent. Oh, so like any game, like Mario World, Mario All Stars, and get all stars like yeah everything and then fill that whole save slot up and then get another cartridge and fill that whole save slot up <laughs> and see how many you can do like within the span of like even your your life you know <laughs> but 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 the thing is zelda <laughs> zelda 3 for super nintendo is like pretty cheap on um super famicom yeah it's actually not that expensive so you can get a cart Probably on the low ball bid um, for ten to fifteen bucks, maybe less. So, so right now with Legend of Zelda, how many save slots have you maxed out so far? And you just started this year. Yeah. So with the first Zelda uh, one for NES, I have you know the just of my collection. I have um, the gray cart and I have the gold cart. So. I filled up the entire gold cartridge. So, so the key is, is that you have to max it out. You have to get all the hearts, so all 16 hearts. My thing is I do it with no deaths. So oh, of I, course. Now, so the way to, to do that is you can uh, plug a second controller um, into slot 2 in the NES, and then with the first controller, when you press start, you go up to the item screen. Basically, on second controller, you press, you hold the A button and you press any direction. And it, it'll bring up a little save screen and you just click save. A lot, of, a lot of people say it's up in A. I think you can do it with any direction. Or if I die, then I reset the game. That, that's my no death. Like, it's just fun for me. Well, I mean, I'm still, I'm still going through Gradius my own way, which is if I die, I, stop, I reset the game. <laughs> yeah, which is cool, too. Um. It's just a good challenge. Um, so I filled up those three on the gold cartridge, all 16 hearts, and it says zero by each each one. And I, I have all the items, too. Of course. All the maxed out versions of the items as well. And all the maxed out um, rupee, 255, and all the maxed out bombs that you can get, which you have to purchase throughout the game within the, the dungeons. Hmm. So you have to get 100% all the items, everything, with no deaths, and I'm on 
the gray cartridge now. I filled up two, <laughs> and I'm on level five now of the third. And I'll get to it at some point when I'm just hanging out. I'll just feel like playing it, you know. Yeah, and then you'll just move on to, like, the Famicom cartridge or whatever else. Hell yeah. Yeah, and then I'll go to Link to the Past from there. Yeah. It's, like, pretty awesome. And, I mean, obviously, we're going to do a Link to the Past episode in the uh, the future, so it'll be oh, yeah. it'll make for perfect fodder. I've been more so playing Link to the Past and Link's Awakening than Zelda 1 and 2, but... It's I have so many memories with Zelda that it's it's just a classic and so yeah so you're doing your whole save thing but then like yeah. it's the way you approach the original Legend of Zelda while you're playing it that makes it interesting and fun. The overpowered approach. You're so fucking overpowered that it's like yeah. a new way of playing the game. And there's like a dozen steps that you really need to do it. <laughs> Love it. We can go into it. Mm-hmm. Please do, sir. Please do. <laughs> So basically, in the first level, it's one of the rooms the old man says, um, basically check out the eastmost peninsula of the map. And it's a screen with some trees, and there's uh, some P-hats, those like spinning dudes that when they stop, you can hit them and kill them, and they usually leave a heart. But if you walk through the ceiling or the top of that screen, you'll go through the wall. There's a little... um, building type thing it almost looks like a labyrinth but it's not you can go into and a guy gives you a hundred rupees that right there is the greatest trick of the game because there's no other trick that you can get money without bombs or without rupees like to get items and stuff so that's like the perfect way to start every game is to go through that yeah false wall to get your start because then from there you yeah. can get stuff you can get the candle. Yeah. And now with the candle, you can burn the bushes and get more rupees. There's actually three 100 rupee grabs. So the first thing, you go to the Eastmost Peninsula, get that one 100 rupee. The second step, you buy the candle. Third step, uh, the candle is right at the start of the game. It's like yeah. you go up a screen and to the left. Actually, from there, then I burn, uh, I don't know if you want to call them a tree or a bush. I always call them bushes, but, I mean, it could be either. Yeah. Near level four, there's a heart. Uh, just look on game FAQs, but near level four, there's a, a, a heart container. Uh, there's actually five heart containers that are in the um, outer world, which add to the three that you start with that equal eight, and then you get the other eight through, through the dungeons. So that mm-hmm. equals 16. So that's how that works. So you you actually get that heart next, so that you have four hearts. And then, um, so just look that up online. Then there's two more 100 rupee locations through burning bushes that that you can reach. One's in the Lost Woods in the west of the map. And then one is more on the east side of the map. It's almost right where you start the game. You go up, and you go right a few screens, and you'll reach the screen and it's like woods with some moblins and you'll burn a bush there. Just check that out online too. So you burn those two and if you already had 100 rupees, the uh, candle cost 60. So now you have 40 left. So now you have 240 rupees with those two bushes burned. Now you only need 10 more rupees. You can just grind like some octo rocks, right? It takes two seconds yeah. um, to get your 250 rupees. And then from there, you can get the blue ring, which um, from the underground 
um, shop. Yeah. Near level level four, there's like a screen with some Armos. If you follow that lake to the north, mm-hmm. that level four is in. There's like six Armos statues, and you hit uh, the top row. I think it's the middle one. And there's a shop in there for 250. You can get a blue ring, and that's essentially the blue male. Yeah. In Zelda three. So that increases your hit points. And by then you should have enough hearts as well, so you can go get the white sword. Yeah, and what's what's great about the blue ring is, or the blue male in Zelda three, your defense goes up. So basically, you have twice as many hit points. After I get the blue ring, immediately after I I stop by the entrance to the Lost Woods by uh, on the west side of the map by uh, level three. Mm-hmm. Um, I stop by there and get some bombs, because Moblins always drop bombs. So that's another trick for all Zelda players. Moblins drop bombs, so just kill them, and they will drop bombs for you. And then there's um, two more secret heart container locations you can get through bombing um, the caves. Like, if you bomb the rocks, and it opens up secret caves. Mm-hmm. There's one south in the south by, like, the shore you can bomb. And then there's one... It's like after you cross the desert area, there's some tektites, and there's like a big rock in the middle of the screen. Right there is another heart container. From there, the white sword, as you mentioned, is really close. So go yeah. grab that. Okay. So now you've got the white sword. And then what I actually do from there, I go back by level three, which is by the Lost Woods. And I actually go into level three. And I get the raft. The raft's only like three or four screens into level three on the left side. I actually get the raft, and I leave level three. And that's what's cool. Like, because Zelda 3, you have to have a big key. Which means you have to go through almost the whole dungeon. Yeah. So you have to have a big key to get the treasure. And Zelda 1, if you can just get to that room, like, then they just give it to you. There's no, like, nothing that bars you from it, which kind of makes that freedom aspect but yeah, so I just grabbed the raft really quick. So then there's another heart container that you can get. It's on an island on the east, northeast kind of side. Just follow the, where the, the coast of the sea, northeast, and then you'll find it. It's There's a little raft part you can take. So you get that heart container too. And then now you're pretty much ready to go to the first level. <laughs> so, so how long does your pre-prep take? So I would say not that long at all. Um, maybe fifteen minutes. Maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah. So yeah. So basically, you do fifteen minutes of prep in the Legend of Zelda playthrough. You already have the blue ring, which gets you better damage absorption. You have the second uh, sword, which gets you double the hit points. Uh-huh. You already have the candle, the bombs. How many heart containers have we gotten? We got the two in the rocks. We've gotten the yeah. We got the one in the bush. Then we got the one in the island. That's four. So you have seven hearts. Yeah, seven heart containers or seven hearts at that point. Yeah, it's like crazy. There's a few things you can still do if you want. You can you can get the letter to show it to the old woman. So you can get get your elixirs. Yeah, you can get the magic book from level eight. It's actually only three screens to the left. Mm-hmm. You just have to beat some like blue knights, which is kind of tough, but, you know, it's not too bad. And then um, you could get the stepladder in level 4 to get the last heart container. It's a little into the maze, though. It's not as, like, close to the entrance like level 3 is or level 8 with their items. 
the, and the key is, is when you only have one heart left again in the overworld, when you're going through the game holistically, once you already do your upgrade process, it's only really a quick sidetrack to get that last heartbeat. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. That's craziness how you how you go about that, though. It's, like, insane. I like <laughs> what you mentioned, that basically this Zelda is, like, the only one that you don't have to necessarily beat the dungeons in any order. Um, you can just run in and grab freaking, like, hunt the, like, Indiana Jones style. Just go get the fucking treasure and leave. Um, the other thing that's really cool is that every screen on the overworld uh-huh. has a secret. Something. There's there's a trigger or a bombable wall or a um, burnable bush or something on every screen in the overworld. It's just knowing which ones that you know that maximize your profit or get you a heart. So that's how much fun there is to have, you know. Well, and that's what's crazy, and that's why as kids, when we're playing it, I'm sitting there burning every bush on every screen and bombing every freaking wall. Yeah. Because you don't know. And if you didn't find the burnable bush yet, like, you don't know which one it is. Yeah, and uh, most people that in my school, they only got up to, like, the fourth level. If you could get to the fifth level and get the flute, me and another guy reached it, and, like, it was, it was like, heralded. It was hilarious. Like, oh, my God, like, how did you get that far? Like, where's level five? And nah. Where's level seven? Because there's hidden dungeons, too. Oh, yeah, and, and uh, keep in mind, as everybody's listening, there was no fucking internet. There was no game FAQs. That's like, the best part. Like, we would access, a few of us had Nintendo Power, but you gotta realize the original Legend of Zelda was like, it was the second quest that was in the Nintendo Power, first issue. It's like, imagine, okay, so now you can go and look at a screenshot with all the bushes. Yeah. Where where each rupee is. Imagine like finding one on your own. Like yes, how excited you get. And and some of us would actually draw out the entire Legend of Zelda map, which I definitely did as a kid. And then you mark out where everything was. Yeah, and that ties into exactly the whole point of doing the overpowered run, where eventually enough secrets were found out where you there was a way to like bulk up. Oh yeah, super big before you could go to the first level, but you had to know all the secrets. So I think that like one of the things you know we mentioned, of course, is that you know the whole minimalistic allows you to put your own thought and use your own imagination while you play the game. The other aspect that kind of at least draws us, everybody who played this as a kid into Legend of Zelda, was the fact that we were drawing these maps, we were making the game our own. Which is yes. crazy, because it's like, them were vested more so into it, even more than if we were just playing a video game now with a tutorial that shows you how to do everything. And having the strategy guide for every game that you play to not have to think while you're playing the game and just follow along with the book that somebody else wrote. And the save feature was like key in that, because you could just go home after hearing this schoolyard talk yeah go home continue your game immediately where you left off um and then find whatever that secret was that someone was talking about and continue your game a lot of people like underestimate the schoolyard (laughs) talking that we used to do like (laughs) that was key it was hardcore it was hardcore like there were times where 
we were supposed to be doing something else, like recitals or something, but we were in the middle of the halt, like, trading how to get the flute and Zelda, and uh, that was more important than anything at the time. <laughs> That's the thing. Like we were saying, with the original Legend of Zelda, even Zelda 2, like, those were the days, quote-unquote, before Nintendo Power, like, by Mega Man 3, Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, that's about when, like, all the kids had Nintendo Power. Before that, it was Fun Club News, and only really the early adopters of the Nintendo, like, most people didn't have those. So, like, yeah. knowing some of them secrets, it was more so, like, that myth that you heard from a different school that, <laughs> like, oh my god, I heard from... This other school that you oh, can man. you know use the flute and and then the uh, the water will go away and you go into the <laughs> go into the dungeon like the classic was um, if you wait long enough or if you play enough games eventually when you go into the Triforce chamber the first dungeon there's a there's a scorpion that like revolves around the screen ah! like <laughs> people would make shit up and it oh there's was, so like, many myths the little wives tales and the ganon was a purple, purple ganon. ganon that's another one yeah because like one of the screenshots that somebody took like ganon looked purple and there's the legendary myth of the purple ganon actually when i think about it it makes sense because that was the one game you had to like talk about because there were so many secrets that like you could collaborate and get like twice as good as you were if you figured out where those hundred rupee spots were. That's so yeah. crucial. And you got to think about it too. Is you probably a lot of these um, myths probably stemmed from some kid trying to feel part of the group and saying, "Oh yeah, well if you go through, I, I beat it yes. three times, and if you beat it four times, there you'll have this scorpion yes. in the chain." Like nobody will do that. Yes. So I just make up some exactly. <laughs> It's that's exactly and what it's it was. spread like wildfire, like the Commodore yeah. sixty four bootleg scene spread like wildfire. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's exactly what it was. Someone trying to get attention. Ninja Gaiden, I had, my buddy had it, and uh, I wanted that game. I, I wanted that game so fucking bad. I like I've talked about it before. I play mm-hmm. it 
I would walk to school with him, but I'd play it while I got ready for school in the morning, like every morning. And I, you know, I eventually could get decently far for the time that I had. So I went to KB and Ninja Gaiden wasn't there to be found. Fuck. Fuck. Well, I gotta get something right. And I look and there's this gold, this gold box. And I'm like, oh man, like that's gotta be good. Consolation prize. <laughs> My mom's like, that's that's kind of expensive. It was, you know, probably 40 or 50 bucks, you know? It was, yeah. It was like a premium title. Well, I, I think back then the premium titles were 50 bucks. Like, there were a couple yeah. $60 games. Because what was it, like the PS2 era that games finally went up to $60 and we were all like, God. Yeah, the Super Nintendo had it. There were a few stores that would, like, gouge you. $80 for, like, RPGs and shit. Like, yeah. it was stupid. But I think generally $50 was the established new game rate for a mm-hmm. typical game. I'm like, oh, can I... I think we should get that. My mom's like, have you played it? And I'm like... <laughs> a little devious guy. The best lie I've ever told. I said yes. <laughs> of course I have, mother. <laughs> it's great. It's a great game. It's a great game. Kyle! Kyle, have you played that game, Kyle? Have you played it, Kyle? <laughs> I can just see your mom right now. So great. I was telling her today about the podcast, and she was like, alright, well, fess up. And I'm like, no, I I really never played it before that day. It's like, take the game back now, Kyle. <laughs> so many years later. <laughs> because we knew as rental regulars that some games sucked. Oh, absolutely. But I took that risk. I mean, it was gold, right? Like, it had to be good. Like, let's look at it. it that's one of the games where you look at it. It's like an album. You you look at it like Master Puppets or something. You're like, that has to be good. So, so like, overanalyzing <laughs> your story, though, from, like... Because uh-huh. I've heard the story. I've, I've lived through your story. Yeah, it's a classic. But, yeah. like, <laughs> thinking about it from, like, an outside perspective. So, so you're telling me that during the era of Ninja Gaiden... That at that point you still hadn't heard about the Legend of Zelda, which was out well before that game. That's crazy. I just got a Nintendo. Exactly. I was late. Exactly. That's so crazy, though. My parents were like late bloomers in the video game thing. But but it also shows you that how slow the um the schoolyard scene and conversations like everybody was behind nobody was really an early adopter except for those you know well-off families so like the entire schoolyard we all got legend of zelda we all got our nintendos around the same time which was years after it was released it was like a major like that nintendo hit it was like it wasn't right when it first was released it was like a few years later then we all had it I want to say your story probably revolves in 89, because Mario 3 was 1990. That's the best part about doing the Culture Chronicles, is I have, like, a a year that it all began. Because, like, I was probably about a year before. Okay, so if I was born in 83 and you were born in 81, I would say I must have had the NES by maybe age six? I would say by five five or six. I mean, so early, I mean, though. I might like, have been crazy. six going on seven, and you were five. Like, it does wow. seem early. But maybe that is what it is. Because uh, mathematically... It works. 
later on you already have like your late NES titles are getting released. Because you, you got to think like I got my hand me down Mario Duck Hunt TNC serve designs from Tama. Uh huh. And Mario 2 was the game I traded Athena to our cousin Brian for. Um, shortly after that is when Mario 3 came out. Mario 3 came out in 1990. So that was about 89 was that it might have been the Christmas of 88 or the Christmas of 89 that I got mine. So I can trace this. So I got the one that I got was right when the power pad came out that was included so you got the triple cartridge? Yeah, mar- and track and field. So that's how we can trace mine. What year was that released? Interesting. Yeah, so like you're talking about the NES box with track and field, right? It had the orange gun, the power pad, and the triple cartridge with track and field, duck hunt, and Super Mario Brothers. That's craziness, though. Like, So, so, so basically yours had the, it was the power set? I think that's it. Yeah. Power set. That's what I actually got. I didn't save the box, unfortunately, but that is what I got. I'm on Nintendo.com. 1988. Now, 88, that version had the gray gun. Okay. So you may have gotten the re-release in 89. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know that that, around that era. Yeah, because they had that, that weapons thing. Yep. A little like, oh, video games are violent. This is a gun. We can't have this look real. Yeah, because because my hand me down was the um, Mario Duck Hunt double pack. Like, so it's and it was with the gray gun. That's a classic. That was the one that everyone I knew had. Yeah, I think that's the action set. I want to say. Yeah, that's that's actually more nostalgic than the one I own because all my friends had it. Yeah, Mario Mario Duck Hunt classic. That's nostalgia. That's the one. That's like in the box that I have in my collection right now, because I only do one console box of each system. I don't do multiple boxes. I just have the control deck set, which is just, you know, two controllers and Mario Brothers. That's a nice box, though. It's an amazing box. Yeah, I like how small it is. Yeah, I I like that box for the the view eyes, but the one I had. And, and now I didn't get the box as a kid. Like I got a hand me down system, like probably in a, you know, grocery bag or something. Right? <laughs> like, it was, yeah. Like it was, it was legitimately got the console, freaking Mario Duck Hunt and TNC Serif designs from my sister, who was no longer playing it because I think she moved back from Arizona at the time. Like it's, it is what it is. Like that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Now, classic Nintendo style. Um, of course, I only rented Legend of Zelda, but um, classic Nintendo style with the flashing lights and, you know, not knowing much about just cleaning out the damn system that we know now. I complained enough to where I think I don't know if it was my sister bought it for me because she was always good about buying systems back in the day. That was the only reason why I got new shit because she was working and she's like, I'm going to hook up my baby brother like type thing. She was always generous when it came to that stuff. She did hook you up a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like. But I think she got me for birthday or something was like the Mario Brothers set with Mario Brothers 3. That's amazing. The console one. It's like the best birthday ever right there. I think that's how I got my Mario 3. That's the best birthday ever, folks. Absolutely. (laughs) So that would have been like two years later or something because I probably got mine in 88. And then what's crazy, though, is that like 
in another year or two, I got the NES Top Loader for Christmas. Oh, man. That's another great treat. I love the Top Loader. It's so reliable. I got that instead of the Super Nintendo. And that same Christmas, I got the Game Genie, which they both aren't compatible. And, you know, obviously that Christmas was such an outcry that Galoob made the adapter later. Mm. But I took it back in and traded for Kirby's Adventure. It's another classic. Craziness, man. I, just, I never had a Game Genie growing up. I always go to your house and play yours. Yeah, good old Game Genie. Or Keenan's house. I think Keenan had one, too. Galoob. Galoob style. But yeah, dude, it was like classic Nintendo stories or what? what make it so yours like was around 88 89 probably 89 but like did you get yours for like a christmas yeah the actual power set with the orange gun it was probably the christmas of 89 then because it had the orange because 88 that christmas is when the gray set one came out so then yeah by the next year they probably incorporated the orange just because of public outcry so about six years old. That makes sense. Six years old. I thought I started late, too. That's what's weird. I think because all my friends had, like, either older siblings. The fact that they had older siblings, like, when I went to their house, they had one. So I felt that I was late to the party, but I was an only child. So in reality, I wasn't late to the party. Six years old is pretty good. So that's cool. I'm pretty sure that 88, 89 was about when I got mine, too, and... Like, each year was an eternity when you're a kid, too. Yeah. Like, like it really was. So, like, that whole year I could have been playing my hand-me-down Nintendo and complained enough about the flashing that my, you know, my sister got me the boxed brand new one the next year for the Mario 3 release. Or it might have been two years later, because I remember I had Mario 3, and then I got the Mario 3 console, so I had a second copy. Oh, cool. Which was crazy. Going back to the Zelda, so once you have all the items... You ready? When you go to the very first dungeon, if you actually go into the dungeon, and then you walk right back out of the dungeon, and you go back into the dungeon again, the locked door ahead of you will unlock. And it's it's a weird glitch. I don't know why, but it's a weird glitch. Oh, also, um, if you do get the stepladder in level 4, you can also get the power bracelet that's on the western side of the map. Or you can go through the Lost Woods, up left, down left. And that's how you can get to the Lost Woods. So that's the other thing we were talking about today, Jeff and I, over the messages. You can explore the whole map, actually, except for the level 4 island and the heart container island. You can explore the whole map without getting any items. Which is crazy. Yeah, and that's how you can exploit it, you know. Well, and I think that's... The genius behind The Legend of Zelda is that you can basically paint your own picture with the game, make it your own. Yeah, you can play, like, whatever you want. Like, most people that I knew didn't know where all the hearts were, so they weren't going to get 16. And to get the magic magical sword, you have to get 12 hearts. So, And, and just think, like, everybody that played it had a different experience because you could do different stuff with it. Like, it's insane. Like, you had your people that would play the standard, go through 1 through 8, and just get stuff. But even going through the standard 1 through 8 right at the beginning, like me, I would earn enough rupees or do things to get the candle and things at different rate than somebody else who's playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, you could, gr- you could grind out and get enough rupees without going to that, you know, 100 exploit 
right at the beginning if you want to and just take extra time. Octo rocks are really good for rupees. Moblins are good for bombs. P hats are good for hearts. Yeah. And so, so that's the thing though, is that like you could just take the time and do that even. Uh, and I think that's how I first used to exploit it before I figured out from you that there's a hundred rupees everywhere. And I figure those out from other people. So it's, it's, it's just how it is. It was a pass me down, man. This, Absolutely. That was the, the genius the about lore. it. Was we were we were all so passionate about that game that you know the original Zelda that we would talk about it all the time. It, cre- it did create like a legacy or a legend. A legend of Zelda, possibly. Yeah, like in itself, like that's <laughs> just crazy. Word of mouth, like made that game so much more colossal in scope in our minds. I mean. And it's just having that reality. And the one question is, okay, so I've beaten the game so many times. Like, well, what about the second quest? Yeah, yeah. That's really the question. Like that, I, even that I ask myself. Mm-hmm. Why don't I play the second quest? And it's weird. It's like going back to that first quest is like an old friend, you know? Yeah, it's it's the same thing. Like when we discovered the broadcast satellite remake of Legend of Zelda and. They actually shortened the amount of screens and changed up the first map a little, and it bothers you. And it's like hilarious because it's like it's not one for one original Zelda. So like you just wanted a 16 bit version of that first map, and they didn't give that to you. Yeah, and it's like it's just it's just what you want. Yeah, just like the identical. Just it's almost like that whole map is just good for one lifetime. Like I'm just good. Yeah, in that world. Like, I don't need to learn another one. It's weird. Maybe one day. For for me, like, I didn't I didn't memorize the first Legend of Zelda to that point. So for me, like, playing other games, hacks, map to everything else is, is fun and an adventure. Because I used to just go around and, you know, exploit a little bit and then go through the game and go through the dungeons. And it's, it's a crazy because, like... Hellion Legacy for Zelda 3 is a hack, and they left the overworld basically unchanged, but then all the dungeons are fucking madness when you go into them. And I actually enjoy that because I am with Zelda 3 like you are with Zelda 1. Like, I want my old hat, like, Hyrule. <laughs> Zelda 3 is very close. I'm, I have beaten the second quest in Zelda once, I will say that. I was very young. I, I definitely have not. The thing is, it's, like, weird, though. It's, like, not as intuitive. If you go into where you think is a dungeon, it might just be a cave that sells something. I think they purposely did that. They have to. Or else yeah. it, it wouldn't be, like, different. But that non-intuitiveness takes away from the experience of, like, how it would really be in that world. Because now yeah. it's, like, everything's whacked out. So it's kind of like the whacked out quest in a way, the second one. The thing that's crazy, though, is that back when this game was released, how crazy is it that they created a whole second quest yeah. on the game? You know what What I think of immediately? Akumajo, uh, Rondo. I think of yeah. that with Maria, creating a whole character that actually is completely different, but yet corresponds with every single level. Insane. And Symphony of the Night with the reverse castle. Upside down castle. Like, making sure it works both ways. Like, god damn. I mean, it's just crazy, though, with Legend of Zelda. It's Japanese, man. It's just 
fucking nuts because <laughs> it was released oh, in yeah. 80, 1986 in Japan. Yeah, long, long time. Like, so at 1986, the first major epic action RPG story for the Nintendo by Nintendo, like, and they decide, oh yeah, let's just put a whole nother second quest, just rearrange all the tiles and put the dungeons in different <laughs> spots. We have extra time, right? It's an easy rewrite from, like, a coding perspective, thinking of it now, but, like, who would have thought that they would have done that? It's just so much more um, fuel in their tank, too. Like, they weren't, like, satisfied with just the game. They're like, hey, let's do something else. Like, Super Mario Brothers, that's easier, though, because, like, okay, you you replace a Goomba with a Beetle. Well, like, the second quest for Zelda is almost like Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan, yeah, the Lost Levels. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's, it's like whacked different. out. They're fucking around. It's crazy. It's not intuitive. Stuff that you wouldn't figure out. Like it'll take you a long time. And if you approach <laughs> that game with they're trying to fuck with you, you're actually not really surprised when they're like, "Oh yeah, this is the first dungeon, and it's just a cave with an old man saying hi." Right. Like, like that's what it should be ultimately, because we can't retread the same. Well, and it's like, it's just a whole second quest, so now you, you've you memorized the first map, well now it's time for you to jump back in and get back to exploring the entire game again, just to figure out what's new in the world again, which, is, it, that's cool. I agree 100% with you that it's not as iconic as playing that very original playthrough with the first map, like it never will be, and it's just like... Any game they create nowadays isn't going to compare to the classics either. Yeah, and as we said with with Rondo, we're never going to complain about a bonus. You can't complain about an extra. Well, yeah, exactly. Just don't play it. (laughs) It's our nostalgia, us growing up in that era, that time. Like, our nostalgia has that. So, like, say somebody playing Legend of Zelda for the first time, like, you know, a younger kid, like if my daughter plays it or... You know, somebody who just now is getting into the NES collecting plays it, they may enjoy both quests because they're not learning it like we are from the ground, like we did when we were kids, like from the ground with nothing, with just chatting and every week, like making a little more headway and like, because they can go on game FAQs and just complete the game in a couple hours. Once you know what to do, you know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I think maybe issue i have with how games are nowadays is that number one they're very straightforward and linear even from a sandbox game like grand theft auto it's point a to point b follow the follow the compass gps like it's not necessarily exploratory but then you have the guides too so like i i see exactly why people don't keep the attention in newer games like we used to back in the day Except for the fact that, you know, financially we couldn't afford more than one game, freaking millennial. Yeah. Like, it's just just how it is. But, um, like, I understand, though, that, like, people, like, oh, the new Call of Duty's out. They play it for, like, a couple of days and then they're, you know, done with it, basically. Like, you see the, the newest one that whatever's out. Like, everybody will jump on immediately, pre-order it. They'll play the hell out of it. And then likely they go back to their nostalgic bread and butter, whatever they've been playing. Like my wife's always going back to GTA five. Well, basically a lot of what's missing is the discovery element of like Mm -hmm. finding it on your own. 
or hearing about it, getting excited about it, going home and doing it, which is huge. Yeah. Because, like, you're sitting at school all day, like, my God. Thinking about it. There's 100 rupees here, like, now I know where to get it. What what am I going to do when I get it? Oh, this changes everything. And and what that does is exactly like when we're waiting for something new to come out, a new TV show nowadays, a new movie, uh, anything, we're pining and waiting, and it makes the day go even longer. Yeah, and then when you get home and you fire it up, it's like, oh, yes. And you know when you get home, mom wants you to do some chores. Yes, you got to do yes. your homework. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, and then you got to eat dinner before you can play. And, like, go play outside first because, you know, back in the day, like, when you get home, like, oh, you better not be inside. Go play outside for a while. So you go outside and you're playing Legend of Zelda outside now because I can't go inside and play yet. And so some days you'd be fortunate enough to where you could sneak in and just fire it up real quick and play some games. But most of the time... You had to go to school all day, you get home, and now you have to go through a whole after-school routine before you can play. <laughs> like, it's just It was like an eternity before you got that payoff to finally figure out where those 100 rupees are. <laughs> and on the opposite of side of it, like, so I'm off work tomorrow, like, I'm just going to sleep in, like, super late and not do anything. Probably just eat a bunch of food, get all fat, and pass out again, like. Because because there's no, like, strain. There's no strain, like, against, like, okay, I want to play this game. I have to go through all this bullshit to play this game. Yeah. But instead, it's, like, so easy. It's like tomorrow I'll have some time. I'll, oh, okay, I'll play it. But it's it's almost like a reverse psychology weirdness. Like, when things force you to play it or when you have the time to play it, it's different than when you, you know, are sitting all day at work even let's school's one thing let's say I'm, I'm at work i'm still like thinking when i get home i'm gonna do this this and this and this yeah sure there's like a equilibrium somewhere in the middle where it makes it like everything work out and you appreciate you appreciate going home when i'm off i don't like it. i'm just fucking like a slug oh yeah it's like it's, it's one of those weird. things where like people tell you that if you want to be productive on the weekends or on days off, you got to set your alarm and still wake up reasonable time. Because once you do, you'll start your mind going. Like cycle of the day. Yeah. Yeah, you normally stick to. Yeah. So then you'll you'll be super productive. And I, I find that on a weekend, if I wake up early, I get a lot of shit done. Whereas if I sleep in, then even when I wake up late, I just want to lay around like a turd. Like, my new routine, though, like, you know, you go to work, and instead of coming home from school and, you know, having to go play outside and doing homework before you can play your games, it's more so now I get home and, like, I want to spend time with the family and everything, and then I got, like, you know, book things, I got to work on my book, or I got to do packaging up stuff, and by the time I get done with all that and eat dinner, and, like, I basically, like, every day I lose track of playing games nowadays. So, like, I don't even... I haven't played in a long time. Like, it's craziness. But then when I do, like, the payoff is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you haven't seen it in so long. and it's, I almost need, like, structure, though. I can't imagine a life without structure. I think it was Raven. He, like, kind of not retired, but he wasn't doing anything for a while, and he, like, went crazy. Yeah. And he said he he just had to get back into like a 
a habit, like a cycle. Well, it's like we both enjoy like watching documentaries and listening to history of things like podcasting, like with history of different aspects, even wrestling, video games, whatever. And I feel like me putting together all my, my books, I'm learning so much about like video games, like say every game for the Super Nintendo or when I'm doing like the nineties, like everything that came out in 91, including like NES games that were released around when the Super Nintendo came out and the turbo games that were out that year and Genesis and like comparing everything. And I see everything from a different perspective. And for me, that's just as satisfying because I do like learning about the history of things too. So like putting that all together is very gratifying and interesting and fun. And it's like, I'm doing that still like on a daily basis. Like right now I'm building the Super Nintendo compendium and that's like reading everyone else's stories on how they got a Super Nintendo or why they got into a certain game or series. And like that book is going to be freaking awesome because like I enjoy reading all them stories. Like and in the end, all these books are for us. Like, like it's for gamers, but it's stuff that me and you like personally, like this is shit that we dig. That's the thing that keeps it fun. I mean, if we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't fun, that's the other thing. Oh, exactly. And We'd be doing something else. Uh, just go at it because we enjoy it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message, um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!